Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. Excited to have on again today with me, Dr. Kelly Deal with the Morris Animal Foundation. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Melissa. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Happy holidays to you. Same to you. Well, thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the Morris Animal Foundation. I know that I'm now familiar with it because of you and because of these interviews that we've done, but for people who've never heard of it, what do you all do? Right. Well, we're headquartered right here in Denver. And we've been around for, we're getting ready to celebrate our 75th year, which is amazing. Yeah, that is incredible to hear. I know. And um, we basically, you know, we're a granting agency and we fund studies that really cover a pretty big portfolio of different species of animals. So we do dogs, cats, horses, and wildlife. We fund globally. So we have studies that have been Oh, funded around the world. I I think not Antarctica, but just about every other continent. Um, We're proud to say we funded a study, uh, again, focused on animal health issues that are important to uh, just a huge number of species. So tell me, like right now, and I know we'll talk about the individual studies, but how many studies are you currently funding and how much money do you typically invest each year when we look towards research? Yeah, absolutely. We have right now, at any given time, about 150 active studies that we're managing. And each year we give away roughly $7 million. That includes our Golden Retriever Lifetime Study, mm-hmm. as well as a bunch of other uh, other studies that we have running at any time. But obviously, that's a pretty big chunk of money that we give away every year. Yeah, that is a huge chunk of money. Where does that money come from that you give out? Right. Well, we do have some sponsors, but the vast majority comes from donors that like your listeners. And we every year we have a few major campaigns that we do that raise raise funds. But we have some really dedicated donors, some of them that have been with us 20, 30, 40 years even. Wow. That, I mean, that's incredible to hear. Yeah, it's a it's it's really unique, and we're very very proud of the fact that we have so many individual donors that help fund again the majority of our studies. Well, let's talk about those studies because you fund a lot. A lot of money goes out. What are some of the current studies that you're funding right now at the Animal More or at the Morris Animal Foundation? Well, right now, I think one of our biggest studies, and we've talked about this before, Melissa, is the Golden Retriever Lifetime Study. Uh, hopefully, some of your listeners have heard about it. And if you haven't, what we're doing is following 3,000 golden retrievers through their lifetime. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary. So we are now in our 11th year of this study, which is just amazing. And we anticipate probably going another two to three years, again, following all of these dogs. And we recently, uh, originally, we had just been going to follow them uh, to certain cancer diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Because at its heart, the Golden Retriever Lifetime Study is a cancer risk factor study for dogs. But we just made an announcement that we're going to fund and continue the study pretty much for the lifetime of all the dogs that have participated, which is very, very exciting for us. That is exciting. How many Golden Retrievers have you had sign up for that study? Because you had them sign up when they were puppies, correct? Absolutely. So ultimately, we got 3,044 dogs. And the reason we went over over 3,000 is we had some dogs, quote, in the pipeline Mm -hmm. of getting approved, 
when we we cut the the study enrollment off, we're down to about 2,000 dogs. And unfortunately, some of that, as you can imagine, is due to loss from death. Other times, it may be somebody has dropped out of the study. We have some people who withdraw maybe for a short period of time and then rejoin it, but about 2,000 active dogs right now. And how long has this study been going on? So since 2012, in June, we enrolled our first 50 pilot dogs, and then we opened enrollment to more dogs in August of 2012, and we completed enrollment in March of 2015. Wow. So we're on 10 years going into 11 years at this point. Yes. It's incredible to think. I joined Morris nine years ago, and I remember we were very early into it, and maybe we had 500 dogs. We're like, way, we made 500. Dogs. <laughs> and it just blows my mind thinking here we are, here I am almost 10 years later. I know. And one of the facts that you told me about the percentage of golden retrievers that get cancer kind of shocked me. And I know uh, I think a lot of our listeners are going to feel that same way. What is that percentage? The percentage that's reported is 60% of uh, golden retrievers will get cancer in their lifetime. I will tell you from our What we're seeing in the study, unfortunately, is even higher. And cancer accounts for 75% of all the death that we have seen so far in the study. I mean, that is... That's that's heartbreaking. That is just so heartbreaking. How does that compare to other breeds of dogs? You know, that's a good question. I think the sense from what we can see in other breeds, from other large studies that are just accumulating death data, is that that is quite a bit higher. But we also know there are some very general statistics that talk about cancers being a major cause of death for dogs over two years of age. Mm -hmm. I've seen statistics that suggest 25% of dogs will die of cancer. So that's pretty high. Yeah, that really is very high. So here we've got this large percentage of golden retrievers passing away from cancer. And I know that's kind of what started the study. What other things have you learned from this study? A couple, we're starting to see some projects coming out of the study. One that we published actually a couple of years ago, but it's still quite pertinent, looked at the effect of spaying and neutering dogs on obesity and overweight body condition, Mm -hmm. as well as, this is a mouthful, non-traumatic orthopedic injuries. And specifically, we were looking at cruciate ligament ruptures. So everybody knows about cruciate ligaments, right? We think of football players, right? (laughs) Or skiers, right? Tearing your ACL. Well, we see that in dogs too. And there was a suggestion, probably about 15 years ago now, that there might be an association between timing of spay-neuter and these types of non-traumatic ligament ruptures. And we were able to weigh in on that a few years ago and indeed found that dogs that were spayed or neutered, so this is female or male, Mm -hmm. um, if they were spayed or neutered under six months of age, they did have a statistically significantly higher incidence of non-traumatic ligament ruptures compared to other groups when they were spayed or neutered, or dogs that were, quote, intact, right? They had not right. been spayed or neutered yet. And But no matter when you spayed or neutered your dog, they were more likely to be overweight or obese. And that statistic took into account, like, how active are they? Are mm-hmm. they show dogs? Are they working dogs? So when you factor all that other stuff out, it still looks like if you spay or neuter your dog, and, and again, we looked at under two years of age, they do have a higher incidence of overweight and obesity. Why is that? Is it a hormone? thing? Yes. And that's a really good question because there's a concept of 
hormone dose, and I'm putting dose in, dose in air quotes okay. that you're not seeing, but it's the idea that maybe you need a certain amount of hormone around, right, at certain levels for ligament, particularly ligament bone um, development, maybe related to overweight and obesity as well. That may differ, though, between dogs, right, mm-hmm. because we know that large and giant breed dogs tend to mature later than your average Yorkie or Chihuahua. Right. And what I think we're going to see in the future is like a sweet spot. So there's not going to be a one size fits all, no pun intended, Mm -hmm. uh, recommendation on when to spay or neuter your dog. And we may be able to tease out more this idea of hormone dose. Well, and I think because a lot of us have heard that message, you know, get it done while they're still young, under four months, but yet there's there's a cost to having it done when the puppy is young. Right. And it's pretty controversial because the flip side, as I think many of us realize, is that we have a pet overpopulation problem, right? right? right. And one of the ways to address that is early spay-neuter, right? Little, Little guys are going into a shelter, they're getting spayed and neutered at very early ages because other strategies were not working very well, to be frank with you, right? Giving people vouchers or all the kinds of incentives. But I think what we're learning is it's a much more nuanced problem, Mm -hmm. right? Because we also know we could be predisposing individuals who are large breed to these health issues. And it may just be a matter of educating people, right? If you adopt a, a puppy from the shelter that is going to probably be a larger breed dog and they're already spayed or neutered, you need to be even more diligent about their exercise, Mm -hmm. right? And watching that as well as really um, taking into account weight maintenance strategies much earlier in life. Very interesting. So what are some, uh, give me another study that you're doing right now that the Morris Animal Foundation is funding that you're learning and find fascinating. Um, One thing that we're going to be doing a lot of in the next couple of years and we're funding is looking at cognition, so mentation, right, in older cats and older dogs. And we've got a bunch of studies going on that's going to look at that. One in cats is actually looking at the effect of chronic inflammation. So chronic disease, I think a lot of people understand chronic inflammation, metabolic disease, right, and people is tied to chronic inflammation, heart disease as well, is what's the effect of having that chronic inflammation on your mentation as you get older? Hmm. And we have a study out of University of Pennsylvania that's looking at that in cats. Something that's a little different that's not inflammation, but looping back to the Golden Retriever Lifetime Study is we now have a partnership with a Mayo Clinic in Arizona and there we're we're working with a human lab that is very interested in Alzheimer's disease in people. And what they're going to do is they're asking for volunteers from our Golden Retriever Lifetime Study to collect 100 brains Mm. donated by our study members when their dogs pass Mm -hmm. because they want to look at brain changes. And we have some very, very extensive data on cognition in our cohort as they age. So they're going to have that data collected over several years period, right? And they're going to compare what they see when they examine the brains of these dogs to kind of look at parallels or maybe dissimilarities Mm -hmm. between humans with Alzheimer's and dogs as they age. Yeah, and I think some people may not realize that I have an older dog and they believe he's going through dementia, which I didn't even know was possible with a dog. Right, and that's a really good point, Melissa, because for 
a long time, and I hate to admit this as a veterinary new practice, we really weren't sure, right, yeah. what was happening to older dogs. We would go, oh, they're going deaf, they're losing their sight. But I think we now recognize they do have evidence for dementia, yeah. for cognitive decline. So these are dogs that I think some people, um, they lose house training, for example. And I think it was very easy for us to say, oh, well, they have arthritis, right? And it's hard for them to get up yep. and they have yep. accidents in the house. But it actually can be related to dementia. Dogs that get caught in a corner, that's yes. pretty common, right? Yes. Where they, or they can't move around a chair, which they used to be able to do. Those are all signs of uh, mental decline in older dogs. I know. And I'm going through it right now with my English bulldog. And it is, it's heartbreaking to watch because it's other things too. Like they move around a lot at night. At night when the lights mm-hmm. go out, they freak out. Right. So they have a wake sleep cycle problems. Yes. If you know people with Alzheimer's, they feel pace, right? And a yep. lot of older people have sundowner syndrome. They have difficulty, right, with sleep-wake cycles. Sure. Sure. And some people, yeah, so we're seeing the same thing in dogs. Yeah, I've seen it in my own dog, and I just started Googling because I'm like, what is going on? And I couldn't find answers, and I was shocked. So I love knowing that you're doing these kind of studies. And I know at the Morris Animal Foundation, it obviously takes a lot of money. So tell me about the uh, the end-of-the-year campaign and what we're doing right now. Right. Well, right now, we kicked off our end- annual end-of-year campaign on November 1st. And this is probably one of, if not our most important fundraising times of the year for us. And this year, once again, our fantastic board of trustees are matching all gifts up to $200,000. So that's fantastic. And, you know, any gift, whether it's large or small, really makes a difference for animals and helps us with a number of studies we can fund in a given year. I love it. All right. Well, if somebody's interested in making that donation, uh, where do they need to go? They need to visit us, go to our website, which is morrisanimalfoundation.org. And you can find just tons of information, including everything that I spoke about today. And we'll also guide you toward the donation page, which has lots of different ways to donate. And you can also sign up for our newsletters. We have a whole bunch uh, that we would love people to, to we'd love to share it with people. I love it. Well, Dr. Kelly Deal with the Morris Animal Foundation, thank you so much for all the information and uh, just best of luck with the campaign this year. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. It was great being on again. Yeah, great talking to you as well. All right. I'm sure I'll talk to you next year after the first of the year. Uh Okay, you take care. Have a great holiday. You too, Melissa. You take care. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for being here for Mile High Magazine. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you to our friends at the Morris Animal Foundation as well. Once again, go to their website or go to this radio station's website for more information on how you can donate and get involved. Otherwise, I will see you back here next Sunday. I'm Melissa Moore for Mile High Magazine.